Welcome to the sermon podcast of Grace Episcopal Church in Newton, Massachusetts for Sunday, January 16th, 2022. I'm Regina Walton, pastor and rector. The scriptures for this morning are 1 Corinthians 12, 1 through 11, and John 2, 1 through 11. Thanks for listening. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be found acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. Recently, my family watched the new Disney movie, Encanto, which is really fun if you haven't seen it and has great music by Lin-Manuel Miranda. It's set in Colombia, and it's about the Madrigal family who many years before had to flee their home due to violence. A magical candle led them to a new place where they founded a village with other families and built new houses. And just as the magical candle was responsible for the family's dramatic rescue from danger, as they build their new lives for themselves, the candle causes the miracles to continue. The house that they build, their casita, becomes magical as well, sort of along the lines of the the beast's mansion in Beauty and the Beast. Also, the magical candle blesses each individual madrigal family member with their own magical gift. One ant has the power of healing people through the food that she makes. Another can change the weather just by thinking about it. One daughter has Herculean strength. Another can make flowers or plants grow and bloom whenever and wherever she wants. One brother can talk to animals. Everyone has a special gift. Everyone except teenage Mirabelle whose magic door, for some reason, never opened. An average person in an extraordinary family, her relatives don't quite know what to do with her. I couldn't help but think of Encanto reading today's lesson from 1 Corinthians, which is all about the variety of spiritual gifts. The church at Corinth is a diverse community, Greek and Jews, men and women, enslaved and free, rich and poor, all worship together. Despite their differences, they are, as Paul says in his letter to the Galatians, all one in Christ Jesus. However, from reading Paul's side of the correspondence, we can determine that there was a hierarchy in the Corinthian church, which was not based on ethnicity, sex, wealth, or status, but it was based on spiritual gifts. At Corinth, the spiritual gifts that were the most highly prized were the gifts of ecstatic speech, such as glossolalia, or what is called speaking in tongues, or, uh, and also prophecy. There is a character in Encanto, too, who has the gift of prophecy, but we're not going to talk about him. Okay, good. Some of you have seen the movie then. (laughs) The gifts of tongues seems to have been about the power to miraculously speak in other human languages that were not previously known to the speaker, but also to speak in a mysterious heavenly language not known to humans. Other people in the community might have the gift of interpretation of tongues, Or the ecstatic speech might not be interpreted, but be sort of a sign of the um, 
mystical presence of God amidst the worshiping community. It was definitely closer to miraculous than some of the other gifts that Paul names here, such as the utterance of wisdom or the gift of faith. Paul writes to the Corinthians to let them know that they are sort of missing the point about spiritual gifts. These gifts are not given by God to certain persons to show how talented and super holy they are, nor are certain gifts more important or more worthy of recognition than others. Everyone who confesses Jesus as Lord receives gifts from the Holy Spirit through their baptisms. All of these gifts are to be used for the good of the whole community, To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good, Paul says. And each of these gifts are activated by the grace of God through the Spirit. In other words, it's not about the gifted person, it's about God as the source of all good gifts. Paul reframes this conversation about hierarchy in the church into a discussion on how all the members are to work together for the common good as servants, not savants. These gifts are about lifting up the whole community and not a few individuals. Spiritual gifts are valuable not because of how mystical they are, but because of how practical they are, how they contribute to the good of the whole. In Encanto, Mirabelle, who has no special gift of her own, is the first to realize that something is wrong with her family's magical candle, which is failing. She's the first one to see that there are cracks in their casita's foundations, which are beginning to affect her magical family members. Her relatives' identities are so bound up in their own giftedness that they are not able to perceive that their home and their family is in trouble, and that this trouble is related to their past and to how they have treated each other. If they don't sort it out, they won't be the magical madrigals much longer. In the same way, Paul emphasizes the common good because without this as the focus, the new church won't survive. At Grace Church, I feel like we had our own outpouring of spiritual gifts in the last year as we worked really hard to get a CPA grant from the city of Newton to preserve our historic bell tower that was in really bad shape. In a letter I wrote to the parish after we had secured this grant, I said, we have relied on the gifts of parishioners who are architects and preservationists, engineers, strategic planning consultants, elected officials, development and fundraising specialists, CPAs, grant writers, communications professionals, nonprofit administrators, photographers, volunteers in local community organizations and neighborhood associations, and many other grace folks who know how to work together in love to get things done. Paul didn't name some of those gifts, but they were all really, really important to what we were doing. The enormity of the Tower Project and how concrete it was, literally made of stones, made it a natural focal point for our collective efforts. It was a natural thing for us to rally around. It gave us a clear sense of purpose and a clear goal. And now, praise God, we are beginning to look to life after the tower pandemic, after the tower pandemic, the tower restoration. (laughs) 
We know, you know, I was calling it Tower Pandemic 2020 and Tower Pandemic 2021. Let's ask, let's pray for a new name for 2022. But how will we keep our clear sense of focus on the common good, our clear sense of working together for a common purpose, once this restoration work is completed? Two years ago this month, two long years ago, (laughs) we adopted a mission, vision, and values statement. And one of the main comments from the Jeremiah Project groups that all fed into that statement was that we wanted this mission, vision, and values, this MVV as we call it, to be a real thing and not just a piece of paper. The vestry has taken that very seriously and a big goal of the vestry this year is to take concrete steps to live out our mission, vision, and values more deeply and to make sure that all of our ministries and committees are working together towards the same goals. This project with the mission, vision, and values is not going to be as tangible as restoring an elderly tower. I had first written that line, I said, this project is not going to be as straightforward as the tower project, but then that was not a straightforward project uh, at all. It's not going to have a clear beginning, middle, and end like a construction project does. It's going to be ongoing. Early this year, a Mission, Vision, and Values team of vestry and former vestry members will be reaching out to all of our ministries and committees for conversation. We want to understand together how each of Grace's ministries fits into our sense of who we are, our sense of mission, vision, and values. And we want to get a sense of how we work together as a parish across our different ministries and to locate the places where we could improve our collaboration and our communication with each other. In any organization, secular or religious, Renewed focus on mission means choosing priorities and acknowledging limits. And this is gonna be a challenge for us at Grace. We tend to want to do it all. And doing it all often means that many people are doing their own thing rather than working together. That mindset has limited our effectiveness in the past and it's something that we've named as a goal to change in the future. To live as a Christian community pulling together for the common good means that sometimes we're going to have to put our individual preferences aside. We're also going to have to ask not what I want or what you want, but what God wants for our parish. What is God's idea of the common good at Grace Church? What is God's idea of what outreach should be? The Apostle Paul calls this having the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ listens deeply. It loves very well. It lets go of slights, and it's able to serve rather than to dominate. The mind of Christ is able to accept change and does not insist on its own way or on the way that we've always done things. I don't think I'm giving away the end of Encanto by saying that eventually the Madrigals are able to see that it's their family that is the miracle and their family's survival, their family's thriving, that's the miracle 
and not their individual gifts. It's their family's preservation, perseverance, and love that is miraculous. And their strength is not from their individual talents, but in the sense of how they belong to one another and how they belong to something bigger than themselves. We are a gifted community, and we know now, especially, that when the chips are down and the odds are long, we can pull together and with God's grace accomplish far more than we ever thought we could. Now, the Lord is asking us to look beyond bricks and mortar, something that at this point I think we are all really, really eager to do. May God give us the spiritual gifts of discernment, listening, and concern for the needs of the other as we seek to do God's will this year for the common good. In God's name, amen.